0: Hey guys i want to welcome you guys to the financial freedom for physicians podcast we've got a great episode this week before we begin please hit the subscribe button as well as the notifications bell and be sure to like comment and share if you like this episode and we'll get into this week's sponsor and show This week's episode is sponsored by CitiVest. CitiVest has quickly become the most popular and best way for doctors to invest in top performing real estate private equity funds that are usually reserved for institutional investors. This unique access to investing in these institutional funds is available for the first time ever through CitiVest easy and secure online investment platform. CityVest does the hard work of conducting due diligence and vetting the investments. They even get a third-party due diligence report that is posted on their website. As a result of aggregating a several million dollar investment amount into their access funds, CityVest gains access to investing in the institutional investment and is able to negotiate better investment terms such as a 12% preferred return. You can check them out at CityVest.com or go to the link in the show notes below. Now on to the show. Before we begin today's content, here is a quick disclaimer. The information and material presented here is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. The content is not a recommendation to buy or to sell. Some of the content may be for credited investors only or may be sponsored posts. Every investment carries risks. Results have not been verified. So carefully weigh those risks against your investment goals and objectives and see if acting on the information matches with your investment thesis. Do your due diligence prior to investing. And as always, do not invest more than you can afford to lose. So welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the financial freedom for physicians podcast and i'm your host dr christopher Liu. and as you know we talk about four different types of freedom financial location time and emotional freedom and as you know i try to bring people that are on the cutting edge on finances businesses entrepreneurship uh and to bring to you valuable content that you can use in your everyday life to achieve the types of freedom that you want. So today we have Katie Bennett, and uh, she's um, talks about wealth building for the everyday millennial. And today we're all going to be talking about um, wealth, financial independence, and um, go from there. So I'll let Katie introduce herself. Katie, welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, so my name is Katie Bennett. I am a part of the Benchmark Income Group. We focus a lot on an alternative way to build your lifestyle. We want to focus on making sure that we're helping clients achieve their dreams, um, and we're giving clients that financial and emotional independence that they're looking for. I think, unfortunately, too much of the finance world focuses on net worth, and you can't take net worth to the grocery store. You take income to the grocery store, and if we can increase your income, your net worth will naturally increase, and we can give you the freedom of your time back. So, yeah, I'm really happy to talk about that today.
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic topic because I've always talked to um, you know other influencers in the field, and it always comes down to this. Um, debate between net worth, cash flow, income. And there's always, you know, it's like, um, so let's, I guess let's boil down what what most of the media society, they think about net worth. And what, why is
1: that important? Yeah, so if we take a little bit of a step back, not trying to give everyone a history lesson, but 401ks and IRAs really came out in the 70s. But prior to that, we had this 3 prong retirement system. It was pensions was one leg of the stool. Social security was another leg of the stool. And then you had your investments. Well, historically, pensions and social security were actually 80% of the majority of people's retirement income. Well, now, since 401ks were put into place in the 80s, and you think about it, like our first test cases are coming, are coming to fruition now. People who started their 401k and IRA in the 80s have now been working for 40 years and are retiring. Well, as we started focusing more on this investment-driven retirement lifestyle, everybody thinks that there needs to be a certain dollar amount in an account for them to retire. But functionally, what is that dollar amount and what does that mean? because that dollar amount of net worth has just been the driving force since pensions were primarily pulled off the table. And there seems to be this loss or lack of understanding that 40 years ago when people were retiring, they had two income streams, social security and their pension. Um, So if we just focus on net worth and we use this retirement savings model, then we're losing like the traditional three-pronged stool that had stability. Um, and there's no longer stability in the process anymore.
0: Yeah. That's a, uh, so basically that's really interesting. Cause, uh, it sounds like a lot of things that, um, are just, uh, touted in society are just very outdated. Um, you know, need, needs upgrading. My main question is, so you talk about income and then, uh, cash flow from passive income investments and then net worth. Do you think there's a role for all three? Because you know, you you know, for example, you know, when we go to grocery store, you know, you have a high income, you can buy stuff, but if you don't have any assets, then you're dependent on your job or you know whatever source of income you have. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think accumulating assets and having some form of net worth is important. But we need to differentiate fluctuating assets versus stable assets. And I mean, to separate those fluctuating assets, I'm going to say are things in the market, your things that are gonna go up and down, but over time, when you invest in the S&P, right, we all know that the line is up and to the right. But there are stable assets on the other side, Um, that are going to continue to grow, but maybe not at the same rate, but they're going to be consistent. Um, And I think we need to kind of split it up and 50% of our assets maybe need to go into this fluctuating environment and 50% of our assets need to go into cash flowing environment or stable asset environment where we have a consistent rate of return and we have little to no downside.
0: And when you say the stable uh, asset category, you're talking about real estate, um, you know, high yield performing investments, bond, or I mean, bonds, I don't really consider stable, but stocks, dividends, etc. Is that correct?
1: Um, no, so I'm actually, I would say that stocks and bonds still go in the fluctuating asset category, right? Uh-huh. Um, I think the last three months is a great example. We just saw stocks and bonds go down together. Um, So if you had a 50-50 stock bond portfolio, well, that didn't help you. Um, So in the stable asset category, yes, I would put real estate, I would put CDs, I would put fixed annuities, I would put cash accumulating types of life insurance that have guaranteed internal rates of return where you can access the cash. Uh Um, I'm talking about things that, quite frankly, don't have a downside or a correlation to the rest of the marketplace.
0: I see. So uncorrelated. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, we can talk a little bit about that. And then now let's talk a little bit about financial independence. You know, a lot of um, people on this show are millennials, uh, some Gen X, you know, Gen Z as well. So let's say, you know, they have their dream salary. What do they do next?
1: After they put their dreams together. Is that your question? What do they do next? Yeah. Yeah. So I think of it a lot like a house. Um, You have to build a stable foundation for your house. And then we're going to build the roof of the house, right? Because when we're doing construction, if we don't put a roof on it and there's too much rain, we ruin everything we do inside. So we want to build the foundation. We want to build the framework and the roof first. And then everything we fill the house with is kind of the gravy. So I look at the foundation as you know, your protection um, and your assets. And I would actually argue, and I think everyone at my firm would agree that paying down your credit card debt is not as important as starting to save and allocate assets. I think there's this first tier that a good portion of the world is in that is living paycheck to paycheck and trying to survive. Well, the next step, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, instead of taking all of those dollars that are extra and throwing them towards your credit card debt or throwing them towards, you know, your home equity debt or whatever it is, put that into savings because we often find people get into this cycle of I'm paying down, paying down, paying down. And then all of a sudden you get into a car accident, you blow two tires and you need to spend $900. Well, since you paid everything down and you didn't put money into savings, that $900 goes right back into debt. Well, if we spend more time allocating to savings and we just maintain that credit card debt, we can build our savings and build our investments. So eventually we will wipe out all of that debt, but let's provide stability in that process first. So that foundation is savings savings income protection and stability because we want to make sure as we graduate up the tiers in life and we continue to grow our assets that one bad day isn't going to knock us down the ladder
0: mm-hmm. interesting we hope you don't mind this brief interruption from one of our affiliates
2: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help We understand that doctors' financial situations change faster than an insulin drip in ketoacidosis. And we also understand that doctors are the most reliable borrowers in the world. Through our proprietary algorithm, we're able to provide personal loans at great rates with amazing flexibility because we take into account your schooling, your specialty, and where you are in the medical journey. Doctors come to us after they've matched into residency and we loan for all sorts of personal reasons from credit card debt consolidation to family expenses and medical bills. We speak with everyone who applies for a loan and offer fixed interest rates and flexible term options without prepayment penalties. If you're a physician looking for a personal loan, fill out our application form now. It only takes three minutes, and we'll get back to you with the decision within 24 hours.
0: The other thing you mentioned was uh, saving and then also uh debt, how do you factor in the um, cost of the debt, the interest rate? So, you know, credit cards are, you know, very expensive if you don't pay them off fully every month. So you advocate, would you advocate, you know, for a young millennial or Gen Z to, you know, save and then, you know, pay the minimum on their credit card or, you know, pay their credit card off first and then as well as continue to save?
1: I think you pay the minimums on your credit card until you have at least one month's living expenses cash cushion in your account. Until you have that, I would not make extra payments on your credit card debt. And yes, credit card debt is is expensive to carry, but I find when clients go in this cycle, bad event, back into debt, pay off debt, back, and then... They go in this circle and they never really create savings. It can be very mentally taxing. And one of the most important things to building wealth is not the amount of money in your pocket. It's your mindset. People forget that the wealthiest people in the world don't look at debt as a bad thing. They look at debt as leverage. And if we look at our debt as leverage and we build a cash cushion, I'm not saying that credit card debt is good leverage. It's not good leverage. but Changing your mindset is going to be so much more important to future wealth building than the interest rate on your credit card debt that you're going to carry for maybe the next 12 to 24 months.
0: Interesting. Uh, Yeah, because, you know, like, for example, real estate debt, if you're using it to purchase investment property, you know, that's considered good debt, you know, of course property goes unrented or you know the house you have a housing crisis crash you know you know that's that debt is you know you're still liable for that debt so you know there are good debt and bad debt you know there's it's like a two-edged sword you also talk about so example um explaining the current economic environment and i guess you know right now we're living in very very interesting times, very volatile times. So how, what can what can people do to navigate this you know, downturn and come out on top?
1: First, don't put all of the extra money you have in the market. Every extra dollar you have in your savings doesn't belong in a volatile asset class. Um, I do, however, think that if you have extra money and you're looking for something to do with it and you still have a good savings cash cushion, absolutely, buy at a discount. The stock market always goes up and to the right. So if you go to Old Navy and you see stuff on sale and it's exactly what you were looking for, are you not going to buy it because it's on sale now? No, you're going to buy the things you want. So buy your Microsoft, buy your tech stocks of the world, buy your good companies, Um, but make sure that you're also keeping a little bit more of a cash cushion than maybe you did previously so you can allocate to other asset classes. Um, I think we are going to see interest rates continue to go up. I think the rate that we're going to get on fixed products, whether that be CDs or things like that, is going to be a little bit higher. And it's worth having money that's accessible to get those higher interest rates that you have no guarantee you have a guarantee of no downside.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, for the younger generation, um, what, what do you recommend or what is it, some guidelines to um, how much they should start saving, you know, obviously timing when, when they should start saving?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to throw out some unpopular opinions here. And I think first, you start by trying to save 5% of your income. And I don't think that the best place for that is your 401k, especially if you're living in a cash flow tight scenario or you're living paycheck to paycheck. I think if your company offers a match, you never put more in your 401k than your company will match. If they're going to match it, it's free money. If they're not going to match it, then why are you going to put money somewhere that you can't access until you're 60? put money somewhere in a taxable account or in a savings account that you can actually access to make investments. So I think, you know, first 5% of your income should always be your starting goal. If you can get to 20% of your income, that should be your end goal. I don't think you ever need to save more than that because you need to live your life. Second, I would contribute to Taxable savings and not to your 401k until you can meet that 5% savings goal annually. Um, I would start saving as early as possible. The problem we're trying to solve for clients is not a savings problem, it's a cash flow problem. So if we can start saving money and we can actually allocate that to cash flowing investments, then we're going to increase our cash flow. And savings is going to be a lot easier. So I like to think of these problems as short-term cash flow problems, not whether or not I'm going to have my latte next week. Having your latte next week is not going to change your life. Have your latte.
0: This has been a fascinating discussion. You know, I'm, I'm really passionate about like personal finance. There's so many viewpoints, and you know, people do different things. You know, people you know combine different ideas, um, and that's the beauty of financial literacy. Is you can put these ideas together and make it your own so um and uh like and there's so many resources out there um how can i'm sure people are interested in visiting your website or contacting you and how can they do that
1: yeah so i um Our company website is benchmarkincomegroup.com. You can visit us there. Um, You can also visit my LinkedIn page or my Instagram. The handle for both of them is Building Wealth with Katie. Um, So that should be pretty easy to find. But I definitely, if your um, listeners are interested, I think there are two books that have been a really good guide to me and to some of my clients. The first one is the lifestyle investor, and then the second one is called becoming your own banker. I think the lifestyle investor, particularly for millennials, will take you through um, what it means to increase your cash flow and how that really correlates to freedom of lifestyle. My mentor, that's almost the life that she lives now, is, is the same exact process as a lifestyle investor. And in some ways, that's the exact process that we're bringing our clients through as well.
0: Interesting. And what was the second book?
1: Uh, it's called "Becoming Your Own Banker."
0: That's a very fascinating title. I'll have to take a look at that. Um, and yeah, so for all the listeners out there, all of uh, Katie's uh, resources links uh, will be included in the show notes. So thank Katie, thanks so much for uh, coming on. It's, it was a really interesting discussion. You brought up a lot of um, very different viewpoints, you know, which is really good. You know, try to get the whole um, mix. And uh, let people, you know, digest information and make their own decisions. So uh, thanks so much. And um, we look forward to hearing from you again.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. I really enjoyed it.
0: What a fantastic show. I hope you enjoyed our very special guest. Just remember as a shout out to our this week's sponsor, CityVest.com. CityVest gives you access to the best real estate private equity funds with enhanced investment terms, verified due diligence, and lower risk. You can check them out at cityvest.com or click on the link in the show notes below to hear about their upcoming investment offerings. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget, that's just the free content. We also have paid premium content subscription with better guests, information, updates, and discussions that can't be accessed anywhere else. You can subscribe to our premium content by clicking on the link in the show notes below to subscribe. Just a quick note, members who sign up for the bottom floor price introductory the first year will be grandfathered into that price for life. I expect the monthly subscription amount to increase quickly next year and the year after, so don't delay. I'm excited that you made it for another episode you are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrisluemdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.